What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Water's Edge Sunday morning online worship experience. Once again, thank you so very much for hanging out with us today. For those of you that continue to like and share these online digital messages with your circle of influence, thank you so very much for doing that. We have people tuning in from all over the place. Continue to do that. Also, our live in-person services are open, wide open with a full experience, kids' church, nursery, cafe, worship service. Come on back and see us. We cannot wait to see you in person. Also, for those of you that continue to worship with us by giving online and meeting our new $10 challenge, thank you so much for your generosity. That helps us love more people, help more people, feed more people, and serve more people in our community. You know, sometimes in life, in order to find out how, how do I deal with this? How do I answer this question? How do I overcome this? How do I make this big decision in my life? You don't just need some advice. You don't just need some guidance or some wisdom, you need the right advice, you need the right guidance, and you need the right wisdom. The question is, what is the right guidance and where do we go to get the right wisdom? Today we finish up with our current series entitled, This Is How. If you've ever wanted to know, if you've ever tried to figure out, how do I overcome this? How do I get past this? How do I answer this question? How do I get set free from this in this series? That's what we're trying to figure out. We're trying to figure out how. The first week we talked about what real wisdom is and one of the first steps we need when we don't know what to do is wisdom and how wisdom in the text was getting the right advice from the right people at the right time who's already accomplished what we're trying to accomplish. They've been there and they've done that. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, it says that many times our plans fail because we fail to get the right advice and the right counsel. Many times we fail at life because we fail to get the right counsel and the right advice from the right people and the scripture calls this wisdom. And then over the past two weeks, we've talked about this. You and I were condition growing up to pay close attention to our behavior because good behavior gets rewarded and bad behavior gets punished and so growing up we were taught to pay close attention to our outside behavior but not close attention to our heart and our heart creates those behaviors and so today we move on with part four as we finish up now I have to admit I love movies, but I especially love scary movies. If it's gory, if it's a thriller, if it's suspenseful, if it's going to make me jump, I absolutely love it. Well, I was in high school one night after Wednesday night youth group. It was during the summer. We didn't have school the next day. And I invited some of my friends to come on over and watch a movie after church. And so keep in mind that my dad's the pastor and I'm the pastor's kid. And it's my senior year and I'm about 18 years old. And so at that age, my parents really didn't monitor the movies that I was watching with my friends in my room. And on this night, we decided to watch a scary movie, a horror movie. I don't remember what it was, but it was probably something cheesy back in the 1990s. But anyway, it was a scary movie. We had fun. After the movie was over, we all went to Dairy Queen down the road and got some soggy nachos. But the next day, my dad gets a call from one of the parents of one of the friend, one of my friends, one of the kids from the youth group that came over to watch a movie in my room at our house. And uh, this lady, it was the mom of this young man, she was so upset that we would watch a scary movie at our house 
after youth group and she just chewed my dad out. I think I remember her name. It was Miss Flake, Miss Snowflake. Anyway, she chewed my dad out. How could you as a pastor let your son and our kids watch a scary movie at your house? And so my dad got on to me because she got on to him. And it was enough of a reaction for me to decide I don't ever want to deal with this kind of drama again. So I'm never inviting that friend over to my house again to watch a movie. Now, I didn't feel bad about watching that scary movie at all. My heart didn't change about that movie, but I decided that I didn't want to watch a scary movie with a couple of those friends anymore. But my behavior changed. My behavior changed because I didn't want to deal with the downfall of it, doing it again. I didn't want to deal with the consequences of this happening again. And so when I would have my friends over and we would watch a scary movie again, we would make sure that none of the adults ever found out. And so then we would hide it. And you and I can do that. We can change our behavior all the time without changing our heart. We can modify our behavior all the time without changing our heart. And we can hide our behaviors in front of other people without changing our heart and we don't just do this as kids either we do this as adults all the time we change and we modify and we hide behaviors certain behaviors like how we spend money or how we talk about someone when they're not around or how we spend our time or some of the habits or patterns in our life we do that to avoid certain reactions we have the ability to change or modify or hide behaviors without ever really changing our heart. But sometimes changing or modifying or hiding our behavior is not enough. Sometimes certain things grab a hold of us in this life or we experience certain storms in this life and nothing will help you overcome it or get past it unless you experience a heart change and a heart transformation. I guess it was about six or seven years ago, I was teaching my son Jagger how to ride his bicycle without the training wheels. He's with me half the time and with his mom half the time. And so he would practice when he wasn't with me at his mom's house. And one day when I picked him up from school on the way home, he said, Dad, when we get home, can we ride the bike? I want to show you how well I can ride without my training wheels. So I said, yeah, that's cool. As soon as we got home, we hopped on his bike. He was riding around the yard showing me how he could ride. And then we have a driveway that goes straight down into our street. The street in front of our house is 6th Street that connects Common and Kirkman. A lot of people speed down our street. It's a small neighborhood street, but a lot of people speed down that street. And so Jagger started to ride his bike down the driveway that runs right into the street. So as he's riding his bike down the driveway, I could hear a truck speeding down our street. I couldn't see it yet, but I could hear it. And so I start yelling at Jagger, hey Jagger, stop, put on the brakes. And he looks back, he goes, Dad, I can't stop. So now I start to panic because he's heading, he's heading straight towards the street and that truck is speeding down the street. And so now I can start to hear it getting closer and closer. So I start yelling, Jagger, put on the brakes. I can't, Dad. Jagger, stop. I can't, Dad. And he kept saying that he couldn't stop and he rode right into the street. The truck is coming down the road. I'm running towards the street. I'm yelling at the truck, stop, stop. The driver finally looks up in time to slam on his brakes. He barely misses Jagger. Jagger rides right out into the street. When Jagger rides right into the street, that truck slams on his brakes. Jagger falls off of his bike. I pick him up. We all take a deep breath and Jagger starts crying. And I asked him, I said, buddy, why wouldn't you stop? Why didn't you stop? He goes, dad, on my bike at mom's house, the brakes are on the pedals. But I guess these brakes are on the handlebars and I've never ridden a bike like that before. I didn't know what to do. But also that driver was driving really fast down our street too fast. 
So since then, a few years ago, I began to look and there was no speed limit signs on our street. There is now. But back then, about six years ago, there was not. And so I started looking. There was no speed limit signs. And it's not like I could turn people in for speeding when there was no signs, no limits, no guidelines, no warnings. So naturally, people take advantage of that. Common sense would tell anyone not to speed through a little neighborhood road. But when there's no directions and no guidelines and no limits and no warnings, sometimes you and I can take things too far. And sometimes our life can be the same way. In life, if we don't have a guide to teach us what to do, what to say, how to think about this, how to decide what pathway to choose, sometimes we don't choose the right pathway. And that's not such a big deal when you're trying to decide what to eat or what movie to watch. But when it comes down to your future, when it comes down to your relationships, when it comes down to your health, when it comes down to your family, when it comes down to your spirit, when it comes down to your heart, when it comes down to your life, when it comes down to your faith and your walk with God, it's a really, really big deal. What do we do when we don't know what to do? What do we do when we don't know what to decide? What do you do when you're not sure what choice to make? What do you do when your future seems unclear and uncertain? What do you do when you don't know what to do or how to do it may be one of the most crucial decisions you ever make in this life. And so the question becomes, what do you do in the meantime when you don't know how or what to do? Now, there's not always a reason behind why we do what we do. You and I love to hide behind reasons. Well, I did this. I got caught up in this. I got trapped by this. I made this choice. I made this decision because I was going through this or someone did this to me or you did that to me or I was experiencing these circumstances, this pain or storm in my life. But the truth is we can't always blame why we do what we do on specific reasons because if we're honest sometimes we do what we do because we can and we want to let's just be honest sometimes there's not a real reason behind why we do what we do sometimes we just do it because we can and we want to no one drives way too fast down a little neighborhood road because of the fact there's no signs and because there's no signs that made them drive too fast you don't say, well, I was driving too fast because there was no signs and that made me drive too fast. No, because there was no signs, you drove too fast because you wanted to and you could. And you and I could overcome so many giants in our life if we would just admit that. If we would just admit that I do this or I did this because I wanted to and I could. But sometimes there is a reason and it's in those times when we do need to figure out what else to do. Sometimes there is a reason behind our decisions. Sometimes there is a reason behind our choices and our ways and our pathway in this life. There is a reason because there's a weakness there. There's pain there. There. There's heartache there. There's a storm there. There's a struggle there. And you may not know what to do. And I'll tell you why this is so important. One day you're not going to know what to do because life is hard and exhausting and you're in despair. 
One day you're not going to know what to do because you're in despair. And what you actually do then when you don't know what to do could produce a good result or an awful result. Let me say that again. What you do when you're in despair and everything is uncertain and you don't know how or what to do could produce either a good result or an awful conclusion. And this is one of the reasons that Jesus came here to this earth to be our guide, our teacher, and our shepherd to show us what to do when we don't know what to do and to show us how to do it when we don't know how to do it. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Notice this today. Today, if you're still with me, say I'm still with you. In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Verse 3, God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. Now, understand a few things here, and this is going to be hard to comprehend, but try to see this. Number one, Jesus has always been, before there was anything, before there was the universe, before the first speck of dust was spoken into existence, there was God and there was Jesus. In the beginning, there was God before there was anything, and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Hard to comprehend, but it's true. He was with God and he was God. Number two, Jesus created you. You are his canvas. You are his masterpiece. You are his joy. You are his artwork. You are the apple of his eye. You are or his love. Verse 4. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. Number 3. Jesus came to show us his desire of what he wants our life to be like and to look like. His life brought light to everyone. But what does that mean? Well, what was his desire for me and for you? Number 4. Our life should look like the life of Jesus. And Jesus was God come down in the flesh. And Jesus was God's way of showing us God's love and relating to us. But in order to relate to us, Jesus didn't pick out the most flawed version of humankind. He didn't pick out our weaknesses. In order to relate to us, he came down here as our example, our guide, our shepherd, our teacher, the perfect son of God to show us our potential. In order to relate to us, he came came in the form of Jesus to show us how our life could be. He came in the form of Jesus to show us how our life should be. He came in the form of Jesus to show us his example, to show us our potential, to show us our life of God, to show us the best part of us. We can love now. We can overcome now. We can forgive now. We can serve and feed and hope now. We can have peace now. We can have joy now. We can pray for our enemies and we can love our enemies now. Jesus came here to show us how to be and what we should be in this life. In Jesus, we see the life that God created for us. I've been a minister for about 25 years. And I've probably done more funerals for suicides over the past two to three years than I've ever done before. And over the past two years, I've counseled more people for things like anguish and grief and depression, and sadness, and despair. And I've even had this in my own life. I've dealt with it. And this is what I've noticed about someone's life when, we, when they go through this. And notice this today. 
When someone hates a specific part of their life, they want that bad part to go away. It becomes so overwhelming that after a while, they only see the bad and it starts to overshadow all the good in their life. And this is what we mean. In the midst of them being bullied by life, they forget that they're kind. In the midst of their addiction, they forget that they're generous. In the midst of depression, they forget that they're loved. People who give up are just tired and they want the bad part of their life to go away because they're exhausted and they're in despair. So Tony, what does that mean? It means this, as the church, it's our job to help people find their potential. It's our job to help people rise up by reminding them not of all the bad parts of their life, but reminding them of their qualities and their strengths to help them see the life that they could have in God, to help them see their life in a different light, a new light, the light of Jesus. Jesus, John chapter 1 verse 4, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. And this is the new light. God does not see you as all the bad parts only. God sees that you can be like Jesus. Yes, you have fear, but you can have more power because of Jesus. Yes, you have sadness, but you can have more joy because of Jesus. Yes, you have weakness, but you can have more strength because of Jesus. Yes, you have despair, but you can have more love because of Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters God as we follow him makes our life like Jesus and this is how he sees you so if you know someone who is or if you yourself is experiencing this exhaustion and this darkness and this struggle and this battle and this despair in life I want you you to understand a few things. The first thing is this. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Number one, when your outside world is overwhelming, sometimes we retreat to the inside world. And this is what I mean. When all of your outside circumstances are crashing down on you and your life is dark, full of despair and exhausting, then we usually isolate ourselves, and then we turn inward and we start to focus on everything that we think is bad about our life. Basically, we focus on all the pain instead of Jesus. And we usually focus on five main areas about our life that we hate. And this is what they are. And notice them today. Our appearance, our personality, our mistakes, our weaknesses, and our fears. Our life usually gets to the edge. Our life usually gets exhausted. Our life usually steps into darkness and steps into despair. Our life usually ends up in discouragement when we start to spend most of our time looking inward at all the parts of our life that we hate, like our appearance that we wish we could change, or our personality, our mistakes, our weaknesses, our circumstances, our fears that we wish we can change instead of just seeing the Jesus in you and God's love in you. You know, it took Jagger, my son, about a month before he wanted to ride his bike again at my house. So I decided to wait on him, to wait for him to get ready. And then one day he finally said, hey, Dad, can I ride my bike again today? I said, sure, buddy. So we went outside, and before I let him loose, I brought him down the driveway, and I taught him, and I walked with him, and I guided him down that driveway and I showed him how to use the brakes on the handlebars as he was approaching the road to stop and look both ways. Stop and look. 
And we did that over and over and over again. As his father who loves my son, I taught my son, I guided my son all the way down that driveway so I could teach him how to stop and look so I could protect him. And so he waited for a while before he rode again. And when he rode again, he let me teach, guide, and protect him. And so that leads us to our last question. And this is what it is. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. When life is tough, full of despair, uncertain, unclear, exhausting, and dark, and you don't know how to deal with it, and you don't know what to do, what do you do then? What do you do when you don't know what to do or how to get past this? Because this determines who succeeds and who fails. This determines who overcomes and who gets defeated. This determines who gets up and who gives up. This determines many times who lives and who dies. This determines who hangs in there and who walks away and this is what you do when you don't know what to do in the meantime this is what you do when you don't know how to do it in the meantime when the world is crashing down on you when the storms are crashing down on you when your circumstances are crashing down on you when your mind is falling apart when your emotions are falling apart this is what you do notice this today you simply wait you wait on God if your life is fearful right now, if your life is exhausting right now, hard, dark, discouraging, unlucky right now, don't try to fix it right now, don't try to figure it out right now, don't try to make sense of all of this right now, don't try to do that right now, just wait on God. Psalm 27, 14, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. The pain that you're dealing with right now, the fear, the anxiety, the uncertainty, the, 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 the desperation, the despair, the hurt, it's not permanent. It's a season. It's not going to last. It's going to change. Storms don't last forever. They pass. And if you don't have clarity right now on what to do or how to do it, then this is what you do. You wait and don't do anything. My pain, my emotions, my feelings, my hurt will cause me to not see my life clearly. And this is the worst time to decide anything. And so we wait on the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, be still, wait, and know that he is God. Wait until your season changes and you get some clarity and then you make a move. And then let God make you more like Jesus Christ. Because Jesus believes in the best parts of you and he came to set you free. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We absolutely love you. We cannot wait to see you back next week. Have a wonderful week.